Yeah, so I'm glad to hear that you have talked to Matt. Yeah, yeah, we talk regularly. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really have any any other friends who um, meditate in the same way. So um, yeah, we have quite yeah very interesting. I think perhaps supportive. I I invite you to join the discuss uh, a dis discord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll join. I'll join up. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand the website yet, but um, I guess it's just where people go to kind of. I, um, we, hmm. one of the possibilities if we were going to go high end is for someone to actually, uh, uh, take a business, uh, uh, license from zoom so mm. that we could open a meeting mm. and keep that meeting open all the time for video. And so people can just sit there, you know, and they can look like they're a Buddha or something until somebody <laughs> else comes on. And <laughs> Watch the online Sangha. Yeah, an, yeah. an ongoing online Sangha would be the um, uh, a good way of uh, getting it to the point where we can all meet together. Mm -hmm. That would be uh, interesting. Currently, there are not quite, but almost 250 people who subscribe to the, the videos. Mm, mm. And they seem to be uh, viewed at the rate of more than 20 a day. Some of them are really high. Mm. Uh, the one that, that the ones that we've done with uh, Guru Viking are both i think over 600 views mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. uh so and in that regard we have quite a, quite a large audience mm -hmm. that, that if we could get it spread around and i've got a couple of people hunt, uh already on skype mm. But many people don't just automatically go to Skype to get mm. news. That's not a news service. And so mm -hmm. um, uh, we, we have to kind of wait until people uh, go on to Skype. Mm -hmm. uh, people, I think, check their emails more often. Yeah, that's true. That's true for me. So... This is uh, all of these methods and ways of doing things is basically what uh, Willie and uh, uh, Kobe are working on for a database mm. for our new organization mm. that we don't have a name for yet, but we've already got a couple of computer scientists working on a, an under underlying database for a website uh, <laughs> that, that is... Um, Designed basically for East and West to meet mm -hmm. and become unified. Mm -hmm. Because uh, Robert, uh, who lives here in Thailand, he speaks good Thai. He's very well connected to the Thai community in the United States. Mm. Uh, and so we're planning on... Uh, getting some of the students who go to SPUD uh, the Seattle uh, 
pragmatic underground dhamma mm. to get them into that big lot that we know of in Seattle. Mm. And so we've already talked to the temple abbot about it. And so um, I don't know what time it would be for your time. Uh, we should send that out as best we can. But there's going to be a, uh, a meeting, mm. okay. uh, a Skype call, where Robert and I and the Spud guys will be talking about uh, literally how Westerners are uh, to improperly invade a Watt and take over. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be done properly. Mm -hmm. Okay insurrectionary training um okay when do you know when that will be that have you got uh, a date it's going time? to be two it's going to be tuesday morning tuesday. at 10 o'clock our time here okay. monday night pacific time okay i think like eight to ten okay cool will you will you send around a, a link or or Okay, I'll I'll remember to send you a link. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if, if I can join, I'm not sure what that time is for me, but yeah, I'll try and join. Your cell phone has a, a clock. Uh, yeah. Application. Yeah, yeah okay. I'll be able to work out. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're seven hours ahead. Yeah, I think uh, I'm behind. You're behind, yeah, behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's going to put it for you in the middle of the night, I think. Mm -hmm. We'll see, see how I'm feeling. But will you record it as well? Yes. Yeah, okay, okay, cool. Okay, watch it. So, um, go ahead. Anyway, the, the answer to your question was, yes, we, we need... To start building a sangha, yeah, <laughs> a sangha of friends, and it doesn't even matter so much about exactly what tradition they're in. Mm -hmm. What matters is is that they're, you know, willing to start uh, living the dhamma mm -hmm. with a group of a group of friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is no longer textbook stuff anymore. <laughs> no, no longer on the cushion stuff anymore. This is mm. real, real life, <laughs> real life dhamma. Mm. Uh, and uh, in fact, you probably have heard of the sutta. The name of the sutta is half, half sutta. I don't think I have actually. Ananda goes to the Buddha and he says that he has heard his teacher Sariputta say that uh, friendship is half of the Dhamma. Mm. And the Buddha responds to that, no, it's not half the Dhamma. It is the entire Dhamma. Mm. That's nice. <laughs> In the sense of everything winds up becoming friendship. You have to become friends with your old bad feelings. You have to become friends with your own joy. You have to become friends with this present moment. Mm-hmm. And then the good uh, part works. You become friends with the outside world. Mm. You become friends with everybody around you. 
mm-hmm. that we stop competing. But in fact, that's what the the whole point about conceit and competition mm-hmm. and wanting things and all of that comes out of those instinctual desires that cause humanity so much global trouble, as well as each one of us on an individual level, but it's built into the society. That's the way things are supposed to be. You're supposed to be greedy and unhappy and striving and clinging and climbing and whatnot. Mm. Isn't that the way to go? Because what's your other choice? To sit down Mm. and enjoy your life? Oh, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make sure if you do that, we'll either give you some hemlock to drink or we will starve you to death intentionally, but we're not going to allow you to just sit down and be happy. Mm. (laughs) And that's kind of the view of the society. How dare you leave the world? And yet that's what the whole point of the Sangha was, is the Buddha set up the Sangha so that when people decided to actually physically leave the world, they had some place to go. Mm-hmm. And it's been presented kind of that way ever since. Mm-hmm. Even the word what mm-hmm. is, a con- is a contraction of the word hara or uh, vihara. Now, how they got Vihara into the word what can only <laughs> take an Asian tongue. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but it actually means home. And nothing much more than that, mm. other than a real home. Uh, an easy way to translate it then is, well, it's a home for monks. Mm-hmm. And that's true, but it's home for old retired ladies It's home for the juvenile delinquents. It's home for uh, the stray dogs of the neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah, it's a home. And that's very amazing quality of the the Wat in Thailand. It's sort of, in a way, Mm. uh, the dumping ground, the hospital, and the healing for Mm. all things mental. Mm. And it and it tends to work. Just being off with nowhere to go and nothing to do and around other people who are happy and telling you to get out of your misery. And people mm. do. <laughs> and so um, finding a home mm. is really an important quality of of the Dhamma. Mm. So, uh, as the Buddha said, it's the whole Dhamma, but as it were, you can think of it this way, is that it's at least half the Dhamma in the following way. Most Westerners that I know occasionally go to a retreat, partly because they're very expensive, partly because they don't have the time, because they're working and whatnot. So mostly they're left on their own to mm. practice. Mm. Which is like having a bird with one wing. But the quality that we're looking for is the quality of the environment Mm. that goes with that territory of the Vahara or the Wat. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And you can see this in many places in ordinary culture. One place would be when someone quits drinking, like going to AA, now they've got AA friends and they, and they don't, uh, uh, they no longer associate or run around with their old drinking buddies. Mm -hmm. Isn't that natural? Yeah. <laughs> okay. When a guy gets married, he no longer hangs out with his bachelor friends. <laughs> now he gets a new set of friends, married guys. <laughs> okay. Isn't that interesting? Okay. When a guy <laughs> joins the army, what does the army want? They want him 24 hours a day. They want him out of his house so that he does no longer have the option of listening to his daddy bark or listening to his drill sergeant bark. Mm. Okay, mm -hmm. that's it again. To remove the child from the setting uh, so that they can be uh, further trained. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's also the part of the quality of becoming a monk, especially if the young time in the, tr the old tradition was two years. Every, every young man would spend two years as a monk and two years in, this, in government service. And by then he was 22 years old mm. and he was fit for manhood. Um, um, go this, ahead. The, the, it's sort of making me think of um, something that I've observed from um, practice on the cushion that just the idea of like virtuous cycles of... of of things kind of um of uh positive reinforcement and these sorts of things and um i was just wondering if that if that also relates to a teacher samapada in some way this idea of that's exactly what we're yeah, talking about yeah. okay mm -hmm. positive reinforcement but it's more powerful than most people think yeah they think <clears throat> that it's only an occasional attaboy yeah. <laughs> rather than an entire environment. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So when the entire environment is set up for this thing that's new, mm. then it's easier for that to sort of soak in. Mm. And so that's the other side of the, uh, uh, the other wing of the bird. Mm. But it is uh, just as it is possible for some people to practice alone and get some good progress. Mm -hmm. It's also possible for someone to join the monkhood mm -hmm. with one wing, and he doesn't do much of any practice or anything. He just mm -hmm. kind of goes along to get along, and he's got a really easy life, no worries. All he has to do is fit in. And after about 20 years, that dhamma that's just in the environment that he's in, it really rubs in deep. <laughs> and so uh, the environment itself is um, really that powerful mm -hmm. to literally get away from it all. Mm -hmm. uh, to, um, in a way, to bring on a new set of rules mm -hmm. and a new way of thinking to substitute the old rules that have the old thinking mm -hmm. associated with it. Mm -hmm. And then 
the next thing that we do is then now we throw out even though that new set of rules Mm. okay we don't need all of that much rules anymore And so we begin to live with just one rule, and that rule is Dukkha, Dukkha, Naroda. Mm-hmm. And so by having only that one rule, we wind up recognizing that in the context of being a monk, that covers the Patty Monk. That's all 227 rules. <laughs> it's just friendly following, don't hurt nobody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Um, it's an it's actually an easier process than most people think. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And because of that, there are far more people who have actually gone through the process mm-hmm. than most Westerners would give people credit for. Mm-hmm. As, of, as, as if they think that it's too hard of an operation. And therefore, there's very few or none that have gone through that process. And so mm-hmm. they become startled when the old Zen folks would say, hey, man, you're already enlightened. Give up on trying to get something. You've already got it, you know. Mm-hmm. Because, in fact, that Zen master is absolutely correct. I'm not That's so f- the whole point of it. Is, not, is that yeah. just to accept the way things are mm-hmm. right now. To mm-hmm. take a deep breath and smile and everything is hunky-dory. Um, yeah, I, I went to some quite a few zazens, but there was no instruction there whatsoever. I know, um, but so, you don't um, need any instruction. <laughs> the word itself, zazen, is all you need. Just sitting. Mm. <laughs> but I understand exactly what you're saying. Mm. So I can give you all the instructions to learn to just sit, and then you can go to the zendo and just sit. That's <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I yeah. <laughs> I like I like the um, the sort of formality of it, and the having a walking meditation in the middle was was really nice. I like that, and um, mm-hmm. there's something that you get from group sits, which obviously during a pandemic you can't experience. Um, that you don't quite get from sitting on your own. Um. Well, we do have the internet, and so at least having that sangha, at least having a lot of friends. Mm. Yeah. That, in fact, two friends that I'd like to introduce you to is Tim Mm -hmm. and Agnes. Mm. Tim is uh, the dean of library science at a university in Pennsylvania. Right. And he's a published author. Hmm. Uh, But most of the stuff that he's done is uh, research papers. Hmm. And that one of the papers that he put together was a uh, one that brought Dhamma into some aspect of library science. I'm not sure what it was. But that sparked him with the idea of doing um, a narrative or a novel. Mm. And so now Agnes is helping him with that. Mm. (laughs) And they're sharing and splitting ideas. 
And if you like, you can get in on that and make <laughs> friends with them while while you're doing it. You may have some ideas. Mm. He already has most of everything he needs, and it wouldn't be too taxing for you, but it would be a good friendship place. Because mm-hmm. you've got that in common. Mm. Yeah, that is interesting. Now, here's the idea of the novel, and that is that it is... Most of the books of the Dhamma are instruction manuals that people then get really hung up on the way that the manual itself is constructed, Mm. getting to I'm at this place or I'm at that place or doing this, that, and the other thing. Uh, But somewhere in that book was also a key ingredient that some of them got out of it that others didn't, and that Mm. was inspiration. Mm. So what we're looking for is a novel about a Dhamma dude who uh, the main point of the book is the inspiration that he gets in getting deeper and deeper into the Dhamma Mm. as his Dhamma path grows. Mm. And that uh, the kind of language that we were looking for is the kind of language that Richard Bach used in his book, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. This was... um, Bestseller, 1971, mm-hmm. 72, that mm-hmm. time. And also another one called Illusions that mm-hmm. Richard Bach wrote. You can Google those if you want to. Mm-hmm. Everybody's read them. Mm-hmm. I, I remember them because they were big deals when I was there. These, these were major sources of the inspiration of the hippie movement mm-hmm. that was going on at that time. Mm-hmm. If we can spark a new... Uh, spiritual awakening. We're almost mm. ready for it. It's almost like all the tinder and the logs are already set and all they need is a fire. <laughs> Just rub a few things together and get things warmed up. And <laughs> um, Were these um, books that, were they Dharma books? Sort of fiction, fictional accounts of people finding the Dharma? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's basically it, is using fiction to teach the Dhamma. Mm -hmm. With the understanding of not that we're teaching them step-by-step practice. Mm -hmm. They can observe somebody else's step-by-step practice and get inspiration from it. That's the way that the book is written. Or maybe, I don't know what (laughs) Tim's going to do with it because it's his project. I am... It's it's interesting because I haven't read that many of the, I haven't really gone direct to the 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 suitors so much. Um, I don't know if that's something you should recommend that I do. Like I've looked at the Anapanasati, and looked at lots of commentaries around it, but I haven't really gone much to the like to the Pali canon itself. Um, is that something that you think is an oversight? I should look at it directly more. Well, times have changed now uh, in your favor. Okay. But something along the lines of this story happened. When Bhikkhu Buddha died, the idea was well, basically, before he died, uh, he 
not just to me, but to many people, was so impressive mm. of how he knew the suttas. And that he would name them generally in the uh, in the Pali by giving them the Pali name, but he didn't give them reference numbers because that numbering system is more of a library science from the West than it is. Generally in Asia, they're uh, listed by number, mm-hmm. uh, not by number, but by, by name. By name. And uh, I was jealous. <laughs> I'll never keep up with where he is. I'll mm. never figure out all of that stuff that he knows, that mm. kind of mentality, right? Mm. And there was a bit of that. Mm. But then when he died, I recognized, you no, know, it is actually my duty mm. to go do that research. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't but just a few years later that... Um, Bhikkhu Bodhi published the first edition of the Majjhima Nikaya, which was a good, firm foundation for getting mm-hmm. into the suttas. Mm-hmm. I still have that book here, and it is really, really threadbare. <laughs> it really? is overly worn. <laughs> um, and so most of the teachings that I do is mm-hmm. out of there, but I also do quite a lot of uh, things that, let us say, that answer particular questions or solve particular riddles or have a, a particular application for mm-hmm. a particular moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the Anguttara and the Samyutta Nikaya uh, are both really, really chock a full of one-liner gotyas. <laughs> Mm. And the Dhammapada also, so you would pay in that that case. Uh, the Ding and the Kaya has a bit of uh, interesting things to it, and it looks now to some um, to the to the later really scholarly monks. And if you want, there's articles. I think Yanisaro has done think, uh, mm. some of this to point out that the Ding and the Kaya is sufficiently different in language and intent that it very much looks like a product of the Asok time, which was 150 years after the time of the Buddha. Mm. So where the Majjhima Nikaya, by and large, it looks like that it is, <clears throat> that the Majjhima Nikaya is the product of the First Council. Mm. But there were some stuff that was done before that. There this was is... actually some things written down. Right. Mm, I didn't know that. In the time of the Buddha. That would be the Udana, mm. the uh, uh, Sutta Napata, uh, which have some really brilliant, interesting stuff, especially mm. in regard to the development of the full blown teaching of Patitra Samapada that wind up in the Majjhimadakaya. Mm. Okay. So, but, uh, now. Everything is available on the internet. Mm. And so generally where I go is to Sutta Central because mm. Subharo, and I think that Subharo must have had Google Translate or something to help him because mm. he's got where this guy came from and the fact that he's got the whole Tripitaka translator is, you know, he must mm. have had some help. Mm. And <laughs> um, uh, there's certainly that kind of stuff available. But I don't 
particularly like the translation that he that he uses, mm. but it's sufficiently uh, consistent that it looks machine generated. Mm. But that's the translation that I use, and the reason that I do is because I can mix it with the poly directly. I can have a line of English, a line of poly, and a line of English, and a line of poly. And that really helps a lot. Mm. Because mm-hmm. I'm really not a, a detailed poly scholar, but I know what kind of words to look for, what, mm-hmm. you know, the really important words, mm-hmm. and what uh, what's the basic definition of those things. Um, so, let's put it this way. When I croak, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe or, we don't have to wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> don't you come visit me. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And in fact, on a regular basis, I give students... Uh, because of the numbering being the easy way out. Mm. <laughs> easy for them and easy for me. It's easier for me to remember the numbers of these things and to get the folly down and mm. get it. And that kind of thing. So, um, much of the stuff that I teach is out of the Majjama Nikaya. Mm. <clears throat> the Marjama Nikaya, okay. I'm not sure I know how to spell that, but I'll find it on Sutta Central. Actually, easy enough. Um, you can find that by typing in the number, uh, the word, the letters MN followed by a number. Mm. Like MN22 or MN118 or Anything under 151. Okay. And it will basically take you right to that sutta. Google's that swift. Okay, great. It may also sometimes give you Minnesota's um, uh, <laughs> highway numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the way of doing it. Is mm-hmm. uh, uh, If you go that way, then more than likely you'll be able to find out if, if Bodhi has uh, a translation available. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the Majjama Nikaya itself is available uh, mm-hmm. on the internet in a one great big giant PDF. Very mm. much. So somebody sit there and scan that book mm. to get it online. Uh, Tanisaro has done most of the translations of most of the uh, of the suttas. I'd say at least half or, or more. I'm not sure about that. Uh, and those are under uh, Dhamma something org and Access to Insight. If you go to Access to Insight, you can find uh, the other site easy enough. Mm. Um, because I'm, uh, obviously there's diff- the Pali canon and then the 
other subsequent traditions and um we're looking at the Pali. <laughs> is that right? Like we're looking at it from a Theravadan is but is that the tradition in which it depends upon your intention and purpose. Mm-hmm. And um here's a here's a way of looking at that. Mm-hmm. Um because I'm the you know like first generation Westerner coming out of the Thai forest tradition, uh, that it's still at our level kind of important mm-hmm. to know that we know where our teachers got their, their stuff, mm-hmm. that we've got it wired, we've got it nailed down solid mm-hmm. if we're going to go out and introduce this stuff to the West. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why I spend a lot of time referring back to the sutras themselves so that mm-hmm. students can take that verification that they have. Basically, it's like this. The first thing is, is that to check out anything I say against modern physical science, mm-hmm. that I may sometimes get the detail wrong, but the overall sense and purpose is that this uh, system that the Buddha taught fits in with science. This is not magic. This Mm -hmm. always fits the real world Mm -hmm. as people normally experience it. The second point then is is that, uh, so it's making sense basically as the the first criteria. The second one is is that when I'm I'm teaching stuff, I will always defer back, well, if I teach different than what you get out of Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, then take Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa over me. Mm -hmm. to take him as the authority but in most cases he and I are in unison Mm. because I've gotten my stuff from him I understand where it was and now I've gone Mm. back to the suttas and back it up so now we can go all the way back to the suttas so when I and Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa and the suttas um, all agree with your understanding of reality we now have only one piece of the pie missing. And that is your deep experience of exactly that this stuff is mm. correct. Mm. That this is it. This is the only, this, without a doubt. Okay. That's the, that's the quality of the, of the missing ingredient that nobody can give you. Only you can know that this is it. Mm-hmm. The Eightfold Noble Path of the Buddha and the way that we practice it with Anapanasati, it works. This is it, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I got it wired now. I understand this is the way to go. So, given it from that perspective, that's also something that needs to be, in a way, sold That we really do not need the sutras. We do not even need the name of the Buddha. Mm. We don't even need the name of Bhikkhu Buddha Dawson. We never did need Damaranto. All we need is the laugh, mm. the chuckle, <laughs> the fire. That's what needs to be transmitted, mm. which always transmits from teacher to student, that fire for the Dhamma. Catching you on fire for it, getting that enthusiasm up uh, up to um, the, a kind of a high pitch and that enthusiasm also 
can be related to uh, pity and right um, attitude. Mm. The right attitude is that this stuff really does work mm-hmm. and I'm alight with it. Mm. And uh, uh, it's, it's almost like the Dhamma itself overtakes our life. Mm. But a more accurate way of saying it is, is that no, with, a, with an awakened way of looking at things, all we really see is Dhamma. Mm. That's all there is there, is just Dhamma. Uh, so it really hasn't invaded at all. What's actually happened instead is, is that we're looking at, a, at things at a much deeper level. Mm-hmm. And we really enjoy that mm-hmm. we can see things at a much deeper level. Mm-hmm. There's a great deal of joy and satisfaction mm-hmm. that is derived from this. And that satisfaction and joy grow then into an enthusiasm an eagerness for the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. I can see when that so, happening. Yeah. When, when that kind of thing occurs, mm-hmm. that's when someone is now actually ready to teach the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. Now that you're on fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So it's really hard to teach the Dhamma when the teacher himself is not on fire with the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can see that actually in any other profession. I've seen math teachers that are mm-hmm. really, really excellent math teachers because they're on fire with their math. It's a key teachers thing. who are still struggling with the math, who don't quite understand it at the deepest detail, and therefore a little bit afraid of what their students might ask them, they're not such good teachers. So you can see it at even that level of school teacher that this idea of becoming on fire with your topic is mm-hmm. the way for a teacher to spread it. Mm-hmm. And that, in many cases, is very hard to do in a retreat setting. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's a Gawanka retreat, it's really hard for Gawanka's fire, and I know he had it, <laughs> to transmit over the years through a mm. videotape. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we're talking about it, if, if there is a distinction to be made between fire in the belly, and knowledge of the suttas. Mm-hmm. You can see that, well, if I've got that kind of choice to make, I kind of think I know which way to go because I've already seen a whole bunch of guys who went in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And now they're well known for their scholarly knowledge of the Dhamma and their knowledge of being able to translate. Mm-hmm. But they don't set people on fire. Mm-hmm. So it's about balance. Uh, in in a way, yes. Yes. Mm. Uh, it, it's not that there is no room for 
uh, knowledge. Yeah. But rather that knowledge is kind of a fuel mm-hmm. that need, that can be used. Mm. Right, and and that's the the idea of setting it on fire. Mm. Yeah, I just yeah, I mean, just go ahead. No, just like um, in terms of my own practice, the thing that um that really transformed it was the moment when I realized how fun, <laughs> how, like how as just enjoyable uh, sitting on the cushion could be, and um then that generated the enthusiasm to to sit regularly and then that kind of in in turn kind of changes how you think about how you want to use your time and organize your time and absolutely you can see the dhamma's taking over yeah. your life i told you <laughs> <laughs> i told you <laughs> yeah but that that's 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 really interesting the way that um you know like the jhana could like the jhanas could be maybe thought of as similar in as is is less is something that in themselves have a kind of pleasurable quality that then absolutely lead the you. buddha talked about he who is in jhana mm. is abiding in pleasure now, that could have been a joke. That could have been an ironic joke. Right. <laughs> Depends upon how, how uh, we look at what the Buddha is actually teaching. But even if he was being snickering at it, he's still giving it the, um, the um, credit that it is due. That one who is in jhana is abiding in pleasure. To pleasant, pleasant abiding. That's the whole point. Ah, gosh, it's really interesting. That pleasure starts in first jhana. Mm. If we can't, we cannot pop into the fourth jhana without it being very pleasurable. Mm. And part of the pleasure is I can do this. Mm. Mm, yeah, if you can begin to control the mind up to that level, there's an amazing amount of pleasure that comes from the knowledge that I can actually do this. Now, I read it in a book once, and now here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, in all of those cases, yes, it's all abiding in pleasure. Mm-hmm. However, the first jhana has the important quality is, is that and the mind has not yet shut down we, the mind still in that state of pleasure has the ability to put the uh, connections together to think in concepts mm. and to begin also in this point to begin to control the thoughts mm. Mm. because we don't want to have it as an on off switch Right. For the second jhana, the off switch then uh, of the second jhana is there's no thought. Fine. Mm. Okay. What happens when you turn the thought machine back on again? You're going to get the same old junk that was coming out of it the first place. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in fact, a better fallback position would be when you flip the, the, uh, the jhana switch to come out of second jhana, you come back into the first jhana. Mm. 
And where the first jhana is, is where we are already skilled at controlling the thoughts. Mm. That's where we learn to control. And that's what we mean by applied and sustained thought, because mm. we're applying the mind and keeping it sustained in pleasure. Mm. And we do that, keeping it in pleasure, by being able to control the kind of thoughts that we have. Mm. By saying, wow, this is so good. <laughs> Or like in this particular moment, mm. wow, my mind is so strong that I can feel the, all three of those mosquito bites on my left <laughs> foot, and I am not going to scratch. <laughs> yeah, that's powerful. <laughs> we don't have many of those here, so that's good. Um, well, a lot of people leave Thailand because they don't like the mosquitoes. Mm. Um, I've I didn't had... even mention the bone on the back of my right leg. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to scratch it either. Right now, the mosquito just came out. Oh, no. Um, um, I've had, uh, in some, some sits recently, I've had um, an experience of what seems to be close to first jhana, but doesn't have... The like emotional component doesn't have the sukha kind of aspect of it, and I'm getting the kind of PT like physical um, side of it. But then there's it, it. It feels kind of dark. It like like um almost like sinister kind of <laughs> place place to be mentally. Um, so I think okay. Now here's what's happening with that. Um. We can say offhand that we wake up in stages. Mm. You can tell that happening when you wake up first in the morning. That when you first wake up, you're not fully awake. Mm. An example of that is, where's the alarm clock? And that's about the only thought I can muster together. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if I'm laying on the cell phone. <laughs> so... um we wake up in stages. If mm. we understand that, we can understand that sati is about coming up to a fairly high level mm. rather than just a basic level. It mm. is easier to come up to the basic level, and this is the level of sati that a lot of students go into, mm. thinking that that's the real deal. Mm. The big difference is is that in that, um, or that first low level of waking up, is is that there's not enough effort to get out of bed yet. Mm. Okay, we actually have to come to a point of actually fully awake mm. before we can take the effort to get out of bed. Well, we do that also in the mind, mm -hmm. that we wake up a bit, but it's not got to wake up enough to come out of uh, the the state that we were in, which now we're talking about still laying on the bed. Mm. Um, so that feeling system that we were in has not been really disturbed yet. Mm. This is mm. where the Buddha talks about the gladdening of the mind stage or taking that effort mm. to really get up. You know, not just wakey-wakey and lay in bed and wait for the snooze alarm three or four or five times, mm. but 
now's the time because it doesn't matter how many times that snooze alarm goes off eventually we actually do wake up mm. that happens also through the meditators we'll be mm. kind of awake and then back into it and kind of awake and back into it mm. and kind of awake and back into it and then we come wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> Let's actually change what's going on here. Let's take mm. a deep breath and begin to um, to actually wake up out of those bad feelings. Mm-hmm. So if you're actually waking only enough up to where you're not out of the bad feelings, that's what's going to give you that sensation of the jhanas in the sense of the physical sensation. Mm. But it's not going to be really satisfying. Mm-hmm. But when you wake up completely and fully, we can become up to a state of satisfaction mm-hmm. because we really do say, I'm in charge now. And my mm-hmm. and in charge says, I'm going to choose to feel good. I am the champion here. I can throw those bad feelings out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the emperor of this pile of dirt. <laughs> yeah that I'm not going to be buried under my own pile of dirt. Mm-hmm. So we come, we can come out of it. That's another, I like that uh, emperor sitting on top of, uh, <laughs> of our own pile of dirt, because that fits in with the old song from the 50s, I'm sitting on top of the world. I didn't realize <laughs> that world was my own pile of crap. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I had that. That's good. Um. Yeah, I found that um, meta meta practice, which I don't tend to, I haven't tend to tended to do in a really formal way, has been useful for combating that feeling of um, feeling the one aspect of like the pity, but not the mm-hmm. sukha. Um, in a way, when they're real, they're opposite ends of the same scale. Right. Yeah. In the sense that both of them are very satisfying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. An example would be when the football team in the tournament wins or gets a touchdown or in footy or whatever yeah. sport they score, yeah. then the people will stand and cheer and, and yell and rave and throw their <laughs> fist in the air, right? But after they do that for about 10 or 15 or 20 seconds, Mm -hmm. then they'll sit back down in the stand and relax and take a deep sigh. Maybe they'll look at the scoreboard and feel satisfied or whatever Mm -hmm. like that. Okay, so these are the two stages of pity and sukha. One is more enjoyable than the other, but both of them have the quality of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. They both Mm -hmm. have the quality of success, Mm -hmm. but one is more energetic than the other. Here's another example. At New Year's Eve, the ball drops in Times Square, Mm -hmm. and everybody's counting five, four, three, two, and the excitement is building, and then zero, and then everybody cheers, yay, yay, and they honk the horn, wah, 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 and all of that goes on. And within about 15 or 20 seconds, some band someplace would start up old Lang Syne, and now everybody is hugging and rocking back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so that first point was the, the rapture or the pity or the eruption mm-hmm. from the joy of the New Year's. I don't know mm-hmm. why people 
sort of happy and excited about New Year's. It's just a damn clock. But <laughs> 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 they do. Mm-hmm. And they give themselves this enormous hit of pity. And then the next is the end is the sukha. Mm-hmm. So when we think of it like that, this actually, we, we really want to build that kind of energy up with that real feeling of success, with mm-hmm. that real feeling of uh, almost like juicy under pressure. Okay. <laughs> okay, it is both juicy and under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Sort of like a gusher. Okay, yeah. All right. Okay. And where are we going to get the energy for that is through that process of the right effort of gladdening the mind. Mm-hmm. Gladdening the mind. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Ehi, I caught you. Okay, and so that needs to be practiced. But when mm-hmm. when you when it uh, um, builds up, over the course of a few minutes of sitting practice, then mm-hmm. there comes that kind of relief of, wow, this is so nice. Mm-hmm. So it does take effort. It takes some effort. Yeah, yeah. And effort requires us to wake up, to really wake up, mm-hmm. see what's going on. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's been focused too much on the um the cheering, shall we say. I'm sorry, what was that? It's too focused on the cheering side of so that the cheering part of the um that metaphor you just described. <laughs> Not the sitting down and looking at the scoreboard. <laughs> uh-huh. Right, because looking yeah. at the scoreboard is part of the investigation. Mm. Wow, this yeah. does feel nice. Yeah. This is so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really useful. Thank you. Um, okay. Well, I've got a couple of other students waiting. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you go. So we'll so finish now. I'm really yeah, bad definitely. to talk. I've, liked, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Damarati. I'll speak okay. to you soon. I'll call you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.